0: Welcome to Parenthood Pals. I'm Caleb Hoyer.
1: And I'm Melissa Fight Johnson. And today we are thrilled to have with us Rico McKay. Um, welcome, Rico. <laughs> Good to be
2: here. Thank you guys so much for having nice me. Nice to meet you, Rico. Nice yes. to meet you too, Caleb.
1: Rico and I met probably a decade ago. Um, he was my student, his junior and senior years of high school.
3: Mm-hmm. And
1: now you're 27. You just 27, said before. So. Oh my God, how time <laughs> marches on. Um, yes. Yes. <laughs> so yeah, um, Rico, w- what are you doing now? Where where are you calling us from? All of those things.
2: Well, I am currently in living in Memphis, Tennessee, and I am currently a teacher I work at a school here in Memphis. It's a Montessori school, actually. And I am the third through fifth grade RTI teacher. So I pull small groups throughout the day and we work on reading and other skills related to that. And I love it. I am currently (laughs) at U of M trying to pursue my master's and it's been good. I moved back home to Memphis uh, about three, four years ago now. And I met my wife at Libertas, where we both work, and we got married about six months ago.
1: Congratulations. I saw the pictures. You both looked so happy and beautiful. You're welcome. Thank you. But that's the perfect segue to telling us about your family. We always ask people about, on this show, they're like Team Braverman. And so Mm -hmm. I was like, tell us about Team McKay, both growing up and your family now. Which I guess you started to tell us about your family now. (laughs) I am
2: the oldest of six boys. I have no sisters. My parents divorced when I was a young age, um, which is how I ended up in Kansas because I'm originally from Mississippi. They both later on remarried in life.
1: The only final question we ask people is, if they'd ever seen the show Parenthood before, like what was your history with this TV show? Had you heard of it? Had you ever seen it?
2: So my wife, Becca, is a huge fan of it. Oh, so cool. when I when I told her that you guys asked me to do it, she was like, oh my goodness, I know exactly what episode they're talking about. You guys <laughs> would, this will be a great conversation to have about this episode. And so, but the thing is like last summer, we had like kind of started she's seen it like several times all the way through and during quarantine last year we like kind of started watching it but I was like kind of watching it kind of doing other things so she told me she was like uh Michael B. Jordan's in this show and I was like is he really and I was (laughs) like okay so we we started watching it so I had kind of like seen the episodes that we're like or the episode that we're going to talk about today but I like had to go back and like watch it, refresh my memory, take some notes on it.
1: Well, awesome. So great. And uh, maybe maybe we should have your wife on sometime since yeah, she's a huge fan. She would
2: love that, I'm sure. <laughs> she seriously would love that.
1: All right. Well, thank you again.
0: <laughs> Absolutely.
2: Well, today we are
0: discussing Parenthood Season 3, Episode 3, Step Right Up. It was written by David Hudgens, directed by Adam Davidson. It originally aired on September 27th, 2011. And here's the NBC synopsis. Amber revels in her new independence while Sarah strives to remain a part of her life. Crosby is unsure how he feels about Jasmine dating, and she wonders if she now fits in the Braverman family. Meanwhile, Christina is concerned about Crosby and Adam's new business venture. Also, Alex receives good news and Zeke imparts relationship advice to Drew. Well, this episode marks the first appearance of two soon-to-be-recurring guest actors it's the first appearance of Skylar Day as Amy and oh, yeah. D.B. Woodside as Dr. Joe. And we'll get to this in a while, but I contend that Dr. Joe is literally the most perfect man ever depicted on television.
3: <laughs> this is a series with a lot
0: of kind of idealized male figures. You know, Adam, although the shine has really come off Adam for us on yeah. this rewatch. Yeah,
1: he really Joel,
0: has. Alex. But Dr. Joe, I think, really might take the cake. But like I said, <laughs> he's we'll a get to
1: pediatrician. There. Yeah, yeah, I we'll think let's there. start with
0: <laughs> Drew because I feel like this is the biggest story Drew has ever had in an episode that was really focused on him. Like even when his dad came back last season, that involved so many people. This is Drew's plotline. And thus far in season 3, he's been almost invisible. Yeah. But he looks really cute. He I feel like he's gotten, you know, a few months older. Anyway, so I thought that he was doing all right with Amy before anyone intervened. Like, it yeah. was clear that he liked her. He walked right up, started a conversation. It wasn't creepy. It was only awkward the way that starting any conversation is awkward. I felt like she was responsive. I noticed that she didn't leave until she learned his name. I was like, that's mm. a good sign.
1: I actually thought that Zeke wrecked that because he comes along and tells her she can just have the records. So she doesn't have any reason to keep looking through them anymore. She was going to see which ones were worth paying a quarter for. And then he's like, just take them. And so then she's just like, bye. I'm like, Zeke, what are you doing? She was she was going to hang out for a while.
2: So. I actually thought the same thing. I was like, okay, that
0: was so awkward.
2: Why was that so awkward? Like, it didn't have to be that awkward.
0: It was sweet of Sarah to like shoo Zeke away. Yeah. He's like, very perceptive, mom but Zeke didn't really listen to her. Anyway, so (laughs) in their next scene, Zeke gives Drew his advice for how to ask a woman out. Ask her out.
3: How am I supposed to do that? You just find something that you both have in common, like you like music, don't you? You ask her about the old records that she took. Did she like them? Did she play any of them? What song did she like the best? Or, you know, that kind of thing. And then yes. you know, maybe say something nice to her, you know, like compliment her about her hair, clothes, anything. Yeah, else. but Just I can't wish she's gonna think I'm a kiss-ass. No, not if you do it right, not if you do it in a casual manner, and if you mean it. I, I got an idea. You know, like I was surfing the web, Amy? And guess what? Simon and Garfunkel are coming to town. I thought maybe we'd get oh, some tickets. Know. They're practically see the... dead. They're not on tour. Simon and Garfunkel aren't dead. They're they're They'll live forever. Dead. It's not the point. Who, Whoever's yeah, coming the points, to town. But... So it's connect,
0: compliment, and club.
1: Nothing sexier than alliteration.
0: <laughs> <laughs> well, Rico, I wanted to ask you first, as the only straight guy in this conversation, what did you think of Zeke's advice? <laughs> and, and also, do you remember how you first asked out your wife, Becca?
2: Well, I honestly, I thought Zeke's advice was great advice. I mean, you got to have a conversation. If you like someone and you want to go after them, I think that you should have a conversation with them. And I asked Becca, I just, I there was a concert coming to town and I had just moved back home and I didn't really like know anyone besides my family yet. And I just asked her, hey, do you want to go to this concert? There's this artist coming here that I like. And do you want to go? And we traded numbers. And it went from there.
1: That's so great. Was it Simon and Garfunkel? (laughs) 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 Well, then, yeah, Zeke did give good advice. That's basically what you did. That's awesome. Yeah.
2: So I thought that his advice was good. And I mean, I didn't think that I'm blanking on his name right now. But he was like. "Is it Drew? Yes. He's like, yeah, I don't I don't want to be a kiss ass. And I'm like, mm, I don't think that's being a kiss ass. I think it's just real advice. Like, if you yeah. like someone, go for it. Yeah,
0: I agreed. And like Zeke is often a font of well-intentioned but misguided <laughs> advice. <laughs> and I thought actually what he said was was, yeah, pretty. It's like complimenting someone is a great icebreaker. Um. I mean, especially if it's not a gross Right. compliment you right know? yeah
2: if right. it's yeah. like oh
0: your your shirt looks nice well that's nice that's
2: not yeah that's
0: not gross and it just gets the ball rolling <laughs> i did think it was odd that then he like flirts with the waitress i thought it was right. weird that it was sandy who dated crosby yeah mm-hmm. and i don't
1: think zeke knew
0: that no and i was and and i don't like, think she was... knew it was crosby's dad
1: no and on a different show <laughs> they'd be planning a seed for something later but I don't think they're planting a seed. I think that's just like, you know what? That's life at the Pancake House. Yeah. You know, that's just, right. that's just Sandy's he there.
0: incredibly charming. So maybe they just mm-hmm. thought, well, what a waste that we only had it on that one episode. Yeah. Just bring so, back so Sandy. Maybe. I also noted, this a small little tangent, Zeke told Sandy that he loved his hazelnut coffee, but when he was staying with Adam and Christina in season one, he hated hazelnut coffee. <laughs>
1: I noted the same thing. What gives And I, I guarantee if we were not doing this podcast, I would never have remembered <laughs> that, but doing all the notes and watching every episode twice. I'm like, that's the kind of in-depth reporting we're bringing to you here. <laughs>
0: <laughs> <laughs> Melissa, do you have any memorable, either good or bad, times being asked out by a guy?
1: Um, I do remember, I don't know why this is the first one that popped into my head. It was just kind of funny because I remember back when I worked at Hastings and I was single, but a guy came up to me and the things that he told me about himself, I was like, boy, you do not know your audience. They were things like... (laughs) I play football for, you know, Pitt State, and I'm in a frat. And I was like, I bet that would be really appealing to a lot of people. (laughs) It was
2: not at all to me. But not to me. No.
1: I was like, oh, God, you're in a frat. Don't lead with that. Lead with something else. Let me see how great you are. And then change my mind, my preconceived notions about frats. Maybe those are wonderful. I was in a frat. I was a, you know. I mean, I was in a, an academic fraternity, which is technically a frat, but yeah. So, I mean, that could have been an opportunity. And I the guess. poetry
0: keggers you had were they were chef's kiss. <laughs> so and you know, and that points out the one good aspect of Zeke's advice to start with a compliment. It centers the interaction mm. on the other person, whereas like yeah. it sounds like mm. this guy you mentioned walked up to you and started talking <laughs> yeah. about himself.
1: He did. Right. He did.
0: Not great. Right.
1: Yeah.
0: I'm in a frat. Yeah.
1: <laughs> Are you in love with me yet? I don't
0: know. <laughs> Melissa, were you with my sister Jay in I think a J.C. Penny when some guy walked up to her and said, "Do I have ketchup on my face? What's your name?" <laughs> I-
1: it might have been that sounds vaguely. that's a memorable icebreaker <laughs> didn't happen to oh my me god to my I do remember Mark did not ask me out when we first met we kind of met through mutual friends and we talked I don't know for probably a month or so before we ever went out and I that is that is my my preference like I always liked that when I felt like I was just getting to know a person I think it's Difficult to know if I want to date someone within seconds of meeting them, you know. They're like, you know, hi, you want to date? You want to go out? I'm like, I I just met you. I don't know. And and so give me a minute. Yeah, (laughs) give me a minute. Yeah. So that that worked out. I like when I feel like I already sort of know the person and know if we click. So. Anyway, I liked past tense because now I'm married and I don't go out on dates (laughs) with other people.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Well, Drew asks Amy out, and then he and Zeke have this very funny debrief on how it went.
3: What happened? The records that we gave her were scratched, and she's already seen fleet foxes somehow, and I didn't even compliment her or say anything, really, because I was standing there with hedge clippers the whole time, which I had forgotten about, and then I finally tried to give them to her, and her dog ran away. Oh, Wow. So thanks. Well, no, hey, we lost the battle. We didn't lose the war. We just reload. We fire again, son. That was the scariest thing I've ever done, and it went horribly. I mean, her dog is probably dead, and it's my fault, so there's no way she's going to date me or go out with oh, me. Oh, please. I don't think our dog is dead. Let's go looking for the dog. We find the dog. We bring the dog back. We're heroes, huh? Come on. I I loved both that
1: and I also loved him actually having the conversation with Amy and the dog running away. I, I had, it's so funny what your mind remembers and what your mind doesn't remember about these rewatches. The second she opened the door, I'm like, oh, right, her dog runs away. Like, I just like vividly remembered that. And I was, did too. Yeah. And I thought Drew, like Miles Heiser, his acting was great in this episode. Like the way he just sort of like falters as he's talking he sounds really upset yeah and it sounds totally believable but it's also
0: hilarious like it's mm-hmm. it's perfect yeah. yeah and he's exaggerating to like the perfect degree you know that he comes back and he says her dog is probably dead, dead. Uh, i'm sure he doesn't <laughs> think that but you know when you're a teenager and that's you know this thing just oh. goes horribly it's like oh crap and now her dog is dead and she's gonna hate me and yeah i felt so bad for him at the end, when he successfully asks her out, kind of without anyone else's help. Yeah, he would have been um, fine but, the whole episode. But all the spectators yeah. that he had, like Sarah comes out from her little cave to watch what's going on. And Zeke is watching. And it's like, he's doing fine. Just leave him alone. And I thought it was pretty clear the whole episode that she liked him back. I mean, that at least she wasn't like, stop talking to me. Right. She was receptive. She was willing to have a conversation. And I also loved in their last interaction, just Drew's line about Zeke. He's just getting old. They yell a lot, I guess.
1: (laughs) No, that was great. I both really enjoyed this storyline. And it made me kind of mad the more I thought about it. Nothing with this storyline, but I just thought... Why isn't anyone as supportive of Hattie when she starts to date someone for the first time? It's, again, that whole gender dynamics. I'm like, when it's the guy, everyone's like, let's help her get the girl. Like, I was imagining... Adam
0: wanted uh, to, Sarah wanted to, Yeah, everyone's like... I was
1: Mm -hmm. imagining this alternate universe where Amy goes home and says... This guy asked me out to her dad and her dad's like, I'm going to kill him. And like pulls an Adam and like, is like protect your virginity, Amy, at all costs. Because I feel like that's all we've gotten from the the girl characters dating, or at least Hattie dating. I'm going to cut his nuts off. Crap, where are my hedge clippers? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. And so that was the only thing that made me mad. I was like, this was adorable. Why don't the girls get adorable storylines where everyone's just happy for them that they're going to go out on a date with a nice boy? Alex was so nice, and everyone just lost their damn minds last season when she went on a date with him. Instead of instead of doing this, trying to help them, you know? Anyway.
0: Oh, so. good point. I hadn't thought of that at all. Yep. I hadn't thought of that either. Yep. Yep. Okay, well, let's move on to... I feel like this episode had a couple of, like, miniature stories that they weren't even... Full on stories.
1: I was like, this episode is crammed. There was so much Mm -hmm. going on. I was like, Mm -hmm. I'm glad that you were familiar with the show, Rico. Because if you hadn't, I'd be like, that's a lot should be like who are these people mm-hmm. so.
2: Becca would like pause every now and then and say okay this is what's happening right here so I I had it I I, yep. I was keeping up
0: okay. <laughs> well the so first great. little like mini storyline was with Amber and Sarah's frequent visits
3: hey um just so you know there's another um load of your stuff it's all folded and great Thanks. and I was gonna bring it over but then I didn't okay let's let it go <laughs> okay. see you soon Oh, and sorry. We just one more thing. Um, in case you didn't get anything for the baby shower, there's a dinosaur-shaped rattle, and there's one of those towels that makes the baby look like a panda. I hate those, but it, it doesn't really matter because I can't come. So you can just okay. put my name on whatever. So wait, you can't come? No, I, I have a I have a shift. So I already talked to Aunt Christina. It's all good. See you soon. Just so you know, I had a shift and I shifted it right it's amazing. around. Amazing. Do you want an <laughs> award? Maybe. Well, I'll, I'll work. I'll no, work. No, no, home. I don't okay. want an award. It's just you know you can change your. Shift. You know, she's acting like I've been there so much.
4: How many times you've been over since she left? I've been there three times. Well, three times is really a lot. It's half a week. You know, what she been doing? Three is a week. way less than half a week. A week is seven days. Di- what are you afraid of? You think you let her go? She's not going to come back. If I didn't go over there, I don't think she would. I let you go. You came back. You're 40
1: and live at my house. (laughs) You super came back. Now I
0: can't get rid of
2: you.
1: (laughs) Yeah, I was curious what you guys thought of the storyline. Like, were you more on Sarah's side or Amber's side? Or were you torn?
2: I was kind of torn, actually. Because I've moved out before. So, like, I don't know. I understand it from, like, the mom's perspective, like, stopping by all the time. But the daughter, like, also wanting her space and wanting, like, freedom of, like, being an adult, having her own space, doing whatever she wants to do. So I I was personally torn. I see it from both sides.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I didn't even think to, like, pick a side. And that was the thing I liked about the storyline, that it wasn't even really a storyline. Like, it was just sort of a peek into their new dynamic and Mm -hmm. how everyone's Mm -hmm. adjusting. And there wasn't really a tidy resolution. I mean The rat. The I rat guess. at least <laughs> the rat, the maybe rat. made Sarah feel like, okay, I'm not gonna be forgotten. When she feels yeah. like she needs me, she will reach out. But even that it, it didn't feel like a typical parenthood, like, oh, we had a nice chat and a cry about it. Like, no, 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 no. Was... <laughs>
1: they had a scream and Amber leapt into her mother's arms and they twirled around to get away from yep. the rat. I did enjoy the
0: choreography yeah. though. So I kinda liked it because yes. it just felt like well, let's just watch these two people evolve.
1: And I love anytime they're on camera together, that yeah. they have one of my very favorite dynamics of the whole series. And yeah, it was really sweet. And I love Sarah. So I was torn because I love Sarah, but I really recognized how Amber was feeling. Yeah. I love you, mom. If you're ha- If you happen to be listening, I love you very much. But that felt very familiar, kind of this idea of, just feeling like you can't be an adult and have have your own space and like specifically her saying things like oh you're just gonna leave the door open I remember like sometimes my mom will be like you should take a jacket and I'll I'll be like I'm I'm fine you know and then she'll just say it like 14 more times like no really you should you should take a jacket and then and then you could be like it could start snowing
2: and I'm not taking a jacket. (laughs) you just want your own yeah like um, you want to be your own self yes yes like you just want like to experience that being your own for just a little bit yes it does
0: make me realize that once i moved out of the house i moved so far away that (laughs) there just there were no boundary issues because no one was going to be dropping by so maybe that was Lucky. Although I don't think my parents would have done that anyway.
1: I'll tell you like little interesting stories. Like, so I was, you know, a teacher in my hometown and my mom sometimes, not very often, but maybe once or twice a school year, would stop by my classroom with the kids that she was babysitting for. Because that's what my mom did after she retired. And so she would just like come and bring cookies and sometimes I went with it and I was like, you know, everyone in my room was like, what a cute kid. And, oh, that's your mom. That's so nice. And so I'd invite them in for a minute and we would just I'd be like, here's my mom, everybody, you know? And then I remember eventually I was like, I don't know if that you should do that because I'm like teaching, you know, and, and, and she's, you know, and she was like, I think it hurt her feelings and I felt bad, but I was like, I, I'm an adult there, you know, like that's my profession. And. I will come hang out with you,
3: mm-hmm. you
1: know, once a week. Usually we would have dinner on Thursdays and stuff. But I did have a lot of boundary issues, I guess. And, and you know, like Sarah dropping by to get coffee. Well, that is what you can do. You can go and make a purchase, get coffee. But I kind of recognized that a little bit too.
0: It's so bittersweet though. Cause I'm sure she was there. Cause she was proud to see yes, you. I know. You know, and in she your was, element.
1: I know. I know. Yeah. I,
0: so it is. Yeah. But I totally, I totally get it too. I, know. I get it. Yeah. To
1: this day, I don't know if I was right to be like, maybe don't drop by when I'm teaching, you know, because m- maybe that's a real jerk. You just thing to... send
0: the cookies. <laughs> not, really good cookies. <laughs> so. her, her mom's cookies, Rico, are like none you've ever had. And she swears she doesn't do anything special, but she's lying. <laughs> yeah.
2: I need to try yeah. those. I need to get try the ones those. with oatmeal yeah. in them. They're even
0: oatmeal, chocolate chip. Okay. They're the best. Okay. Well, Melissa, there was also a, just a random line in this that I know you <laughs> wanted to comment on.
1: Yeah, let's Here. just be cash. <laughs> I say cash constantly. I say it to my students and they laugh. I'm like, um, like, today is not going to be a really intense day. Today we're just going to be cash. And I never knew where I got that. And now I'm like, did <laughs> I get that from Amber? I might have. <laughs> and I didn't realize I would have thought
0: cash <laughs> had been around a lot earlier than 2011, but... Who knows? Who knows? And
1: maybe it was. And maybe that's a coincidence. Maybe I got it elsewhere. Or maybe it was original in my head. And, you know, there was a time I thought I wrote Open Arms by Journey. Um, I don't know if you knew that. (laughs) But I just heard it on the radio. (laughs) I, like, would play it on my keyboard when I was, like, nine. And I was like, this melody is great. And then I wrote my own lyrics to it. And then I heard it on the radio and I was devastated.
0: (laughs) Do you remember your lyrics?
1: Yes, I do. Um, They were like... Sometimes it feels like I'm all alone. Nobody's there when I come home. (laughs) And I was was like
2: nine. Okay, that's good. People were
1: always there when I came home. I was never (laughs) there. So. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Anyway, but who knows where we get stuff.
0: (laughs) One thing I noticed when Sarah came over. Amber has a lot of stuff in her apartment, and I don't just mean clutter, you know, like Casera comments, I'm like, it's a mess in here, but plants and little pieces of furniture and clothes and all this stuff, and I just thought, like, I don't think Amber's wealthier than I was, but my first apartment had an air mattress, a desktop computer, <laughs> a card table with folding chairs, a TV, and a VCR DVD combo. That was it. I didn't have yeah. anything else. I had empty walls, empty floors. I guess I did have clothes in the closet and like towels, but there was nothing in there.
1: This doesn't explain the plants, but when you just see like inside Zeke and Camille's garage, like when they had the garage sale and all just the stuff they have, I'm like, she had a lot to go That's through and true. just take with she her, I bet.
0: just When we saw that, he saw her even going through stuff. Like, she had that duck, you know? Who wouldn't Mm -hmm. want that? Okay, good point. (laughs) (laughs) So. Well, another little mini storyline was Christina's baby shower and the impending arrival of the baby. The math kind of hurt my brain. I, I didn't even try to do it. But they say that she's eight months pregnant. And this episode aired the end of September. The last season finale would have been in may mm-hmm. so only four months have gone by
1: so she would have had to have been five months pregnant when she took the test and that doesn't check out no wait four, four months, months pregnant,
0: pregnant. but yeah, yeah she would have she wasn't showing <clears throat> at all in the season finale and i don't know why you would be four months pregnant before you took an at-home test yeah but i was just like well just go with it she's eight months pregnant one thing i wanted to mention dr ellen kite who does the sonogram is played by actress Kavita Patil, whose name is eerily close to Dr. Kavita Patel, who was the director of policy for the office of intergovernmental affairs and public engagement under president Obama. She's a frequent commentator on like cable news. So I was going through the cast of this episode. I saw Kavita Patil and I thought, I know that name and she's a real doctor. Did they get a real doctor to play the doctor? (laughs) Doctor? (laughs) And then I looked it up and I was like, oh, that's Kavita Patel. It's just one letter off. That is eerily close. It's eerily close. That is. But Kavita Patel, I thought, was very convincing as a doctor. So. (laughs) Mm-hmm. And I noticed she had, I think, several doctor credits among her filmography. So Hey, you never know.
1: You know, um Cal Penn, you know, he's an actor and then he went and worked for Obama. So you, you never know. People like Well and one
0: of one of Obama's speech writers was named John Favreau.
1: Oh, and it wasn't the actor John Favreau? Oh, fascinating.
0: Anyway, a few little random moments at the baby shower. I I loved this exchange.
1: just
5: scored. Who cares? 1710. Who cares?
0: A double (laughs) who cares? Who cares? That really spoke to me as someone who doesn't care about football scores. Other tidbits at the baby shower we learned that Zeke's mother's name was Blanche.
1: I thought they should name their kid Blanche. I'm like, that's a great name. <laughs>
0: anyway. Are Phil and Susie Lessing back together?
1: It seems like it. Although, did you notice that their lines didn't really m- match up with their mouths? And it was like kind of done voiceover looping style oh, and the camera ADR, was far away. So ADR. So it seemed like maybe they just decided to have I didn't notice side. that. Yeah, I I, either. I thought it was interesting because it was really bugging me. I, I rewound it a couple times. I'm like, are they back together? Why are they treating this like a bigger deal? They're a damn treasure, Phil and Susie Lessing. They were probably, they probably <laughs>
0: just brought them back because they thought, oh, we have a baby shower, but the Bravermans don't have any friends. Oh, wait, Christina met one couple <laughs> in previous seasons. Those are her only friends. We have to bring Those them back. Those are her
1: only friends,
0: yeah. And then that little montage of Christina walking through the house while It Is Well With My Soul played, I thought was really beautiful. And I, I didn't even quite understand purpose of it and yet i didn't really question it i was like oh it just feels like artistic like oh she's just appreciating the the beauty of the
2: family all around her yeah i wanted the same thing i was like that's like actually like one of my favorite hymns Mm. to sing and i was like i don't understand why that's playing right now but i was like like you just said caleb a beautiful moment but i was like i don't understand why this song is playing right now yeah Uh.
1: Well, and I should mention, I'm going to just mention that Rico has one of the most beautiful voices I've ever heard in my whole life.
2: He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole world in his hands. He's got the whole wide world in his hands.
3: I remember
1: every once in a while he would sing in class if I asked him to, and you were so shy when I first asked you that you would only do it if you would sit under my desk.
2: (laughs) I remember that. I remember that as well. It's so beautiful. I've definitely came out of my show since then. That's good. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for that.
0: Just beautiful. It did make me wonder, I'm going to give a little bit of a spoiler here. Okay. Later on in this season, I know Christina alludes to the fact that she does not come from the greatest family. Mm -hmm. Which I know is something we've pretended to wonder about earlier in the (laughs) podcast. Although, as far as I know, I don't think she ever elaborates on that. We know she said that her dad is nothing like Adam. And I think she meant that as a diss to her own father. Yeah. And we know she said that her dad made her mom miserable every day of her life. That was the only thing I wondered as she was walking through the house and saw all of this, looking at all this family around her. It kind of made me wish I knew more of her backstory because if it was coming from that place of, yeah, I never thought I would have a happy family life, and now look, here I am, surrounded by so much family. That's really poignant.
3: I
1: wondered almost the inverse of that. I wondered if she was walking around. I can't escape. Thinking- No, no, (laughs) that would be the
3: end. Oh my God, they're everywhere.
0: (laughs) Just change the hymn and it becomes creepy.
1: (laughs) No, I just, yeah, like she, you know, it's bittersweet, I guess, that it's lovely that she's got this shower being thrown by her mother-in-law and her loving family but yeah where is her family like there's no i mean why isn't her mother there or you know why are both her parents dead have we figured that out like does she have any siblings no one you know they could only get the lessings that's the only person she knows on her own a friend she barely likes you know i just i thought that was so interesting and I am going to make a brief comparison to This Is Us. People talk about This Is Us a lot in the same, you know, kind of breath as as Parenthood. And I used to say, oh, but I like Parenthood more because it doesn't have sort of the tricks of like time travel or like twists and stuff. But, yes. but now, I don't know, I've been re-watching This Is Us and I'm like, it's a damn masterpiece just for different reasons. But I think one of the reasons is, Everyone has a backstory. Like mm. there's an episode where Beth, we meet her family. We go back in time. You, know, you might think only the Pearsons matter, but we get information about everyone they date. And, everyone. you know, Toby gets an episode where we learn about his childhood. And I'm like, we need on Parenthood, like a Joel episode. And, a, you know, we do get some stuff with Jasmine because we know her mom and brother. And I'm glad for that. But, you know, it just feels like these people marry into the Bravermans and they just exist to serve the Bravermans. I'm like, where did they so come true. from? Yeah. 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 So.
0: Well, the end of the Christina expecting storyline is this little scene with Adam and Christina.
3: What is it? Nothing. I'm just, I'm
0: just a little bit worried.
3: Listen, it's a good thing. It's a girl. Yeah, right? I know. But it's still, there's still a chance because of Max, you know. I mean, the statistics are better. But no matter what, I'm going to love her so much. I
0: already do. I thought that aspect of the storyline had the potential to be really gross. Mm. But I thought I liked that it was only brought up as much as they did bring it up, which was hardly ever. They had this conversation and one other very small exchange with the doctor about the chances Mm -hmm. of the baby having Asperger's or autism. And that was it. And then that she ended with, no matter what, I'm going to love her so much. I thought, as long as that's your conclusion, mm-hmm. then I think all the rest is, is very human and very understandable. Yeah. And I completely believe her. I don't think she's saying that to seem like a good mom. Like, no, of course, Christine is going to love them so much. I mean, she clearly loves Max so much, not in spite of the fact that he has an autism spectrum disorder. But, but what did you guys think?
1: You know, it's so interesting because I thought it was so obvious that they were going to love their kid no matter what, that I almost was like, do we need this little PS where she's like, look at this baby picture. Mm. I love my kid. I'm like, well, yeah, you're Christina and Adam. You love your kids very much. Why wouldn't you? But now that you've contextualized that, like, I didn't really think of it. Yeah, that, that does check out. You're right. It would be very bad if they just worried that they're daughter might have autism and then didn't end with, no matter what, we're going to love her so much. But I just was so convinced that they would that I at first thought it wasn't even necessary. Now that you've said that, yeah, I'm, I'm glad they had that moment. And it was a sweet moment to end on. Yeah. So
2: yeah, I also, I thought it was a very uh, sweet moment to end on too, but I, just like Melissa just said, I didn't think anything of it. Like, of course.
0: Well, the last little mini storyline was the Follow up and fall out of Julia and Zoe, which really <laughs> it just consisted of Julia hiding from her. And then they had this one scene at the end. But I thought the scene was quite lovely.
3: Listen, I, I just I wanted you to know that I wasn't just helping you because of some ulterior motive. Although, OK, there was an ulterior motive there. But I also wanted to help you.
4: And I do still want to help you. Do you want to know why I said no? Whatever, don't worry about it. No, I would really like to. Yes, please tell me. Okay, well, I want a closed adoption. I just feel like it's so hard already, you know? And I, the thought of like, Handing my baby over to someone that I know, just uh, someone that I like. Just... I can't. So I just feel like a clean break would be easier. Mm-hmm. God, that sounds so
3: terrible. No.
0: Hey. <sighs> Sorry, that doesn't sound terrible.
3: I completely
4: understand that, actually. I really
0: do.
2: Okay. I understand, like, the mom, like, not wanting to, like, give her the baby because she wanted a closed adoption, but I don't know. I kind of saw it from both both sides because they really wanted another baby. Mm-hmm. I don't know. That's my thoughts. No. It was a lot of emotion in that moment. Yeah, definitely.
0: Yeah, I thought Zoe's reasons made total sense. I don't know... This is something I actually feel like because I haven't had children, I sort of can't have an opinion on. I just, mm. I can't, mm-hmm. I can't even put myself in her shoes necessarily. Cause I, I don't understand the magnitude of what that feels like, but her explanation made perfect sense to me. So I don't know if I would agree with it if I were in the same position, but I absolutely think it's, it's her right to do whatever she wants and no one else's, and I don't think anyone should make her feel bad about what's going to be easiest for her and 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 I don't think Julia did that at all and, and in fact, I loved that Julia said she understood, and I loved knowing that Julia was a mother already mm-hmm. that it, it felt like I believed her even more. It's like she knows what it's like to carry a child and give birth to it. If someone asked her to just give Sydney away, you know she knows she can she can imagine. Yeah. in a way that I couldn't. Yeah, how huge that would be.
1: Well, and it's so interesting because I didn't even think she needed to have a reason. I I figured <laughs> she's, true. which is true too. But <laughs> Do whatever I, I figured, you want. yeah, <laughs> I figured she said no because she was insulted last episode. You know, and yeah, yeah, like, you're helping me mm-hmm. to ask me for my baby. That's like super inappropriate. Not okay. And I feel used, and I'm mad. And so I thought it was interesting that there actually was a reason beyond that because I'm like, that's plenty. That's enough. It's not like your best friends, you sell her coffee and she helped you once, you know, and and she really overstepped. Yeah. But I don't care. I love them. You know, <laughs> like I just said all of that. Mm-hmm. And those two actresses have like this beautiful, quiet chemistry together. And um, I, I just love them.
0: Yeah, I was struck by that, too. I, I keep thinking this storyline shouldn't work.
1: No, it should be terrible. It's
0: so preposterous. (laughs) Yeah. But I find the character of Zoe so compelling. And maybe it's just Rosa Salazar or maybe it's largely her. I think she's fantastic. But I, I feel she imbues her with so much heart and so much intelligence and so much humor yeah, because like mm-hmm. even after that scene I played, then she's immediately cracking jokes like, "Can you please yeah. come buy coffee again? My my boss thinks I'm stealing because my tips <laughs> are so low." Like, <laughs> I I just love her, and so the fact that they're able to sell this Ridiculous. outlandish storyline, <laughs> yeah. I think is just a credit to how great they are at grounding it in something real. Because I feel like literally another actress might say the exact same lines, and I wouldn't buy it.
1: Yeah, you know. Something that, you know, Caleb's the one who always looks stuff up on this podcast, but something I did look up a couple episodes back when she was, uh, Julia was talking to Joel about, I want to ask the latte girl if I can, and she was describing her and she was like, you know, she's, she's, you know, beautiful and kind and so young. I remember her saying so young. And so I looked it up. And there's only a five-year age difference between those two actresses in real life. Wow. Which I thought was so interesting. Cause, you know, Erica Christensen must be playing, we talked about this, must be playing several years older than she yeah. is. Because she's younger than I am in real life. So when she started on Parenthood, I think she was like 27, playing a high-powered lawyer. Wow. Yeah. Like with a six-year-old daughter. You know, I'm like, she doesn't seem like someone mm-hmm. who would have gotten married and in the career at like 20. You know, so I think she was playing a few years older, but Anyway, yeah, I thought that was interesting. She's like, and so young. And I'm like, not really that much younger than you. And maybe maybe yeah. Rosa Salazar <laughs> was playing a little bit younger. You know, that happens a lot. Yeah. Like Michael mm-hmm. B. Jordan says he's 20 in this episode. And we, I think we've talked about, I think he was like
0: 24 or something.
1: So anyway, people... Whatever it's acting, you're not playing the exact. Yeah, I think his age difference
0: with Erica Christensen (laughs) is the same.
1: Yeah, yeah, just that's that's another thing. Which is wild, because
0: and but their characters probably are supposed to be the same age, right? Because I think if I I would guess Zoe is twenty, maybe twenty one, maybe yeah,
1: early twenties. Yeah, I don't
0: necessarily feel like she's a teenager. I certainly don't think she's in high school or anything.
1: Yeah, I thought early twenties.
0: Well. There are some actual full-fledged storylines in this episode, too. Alex's continuing legal troubles. Let me get your thoughts on this first scene he has with Hattie.
3: Uh, I was thinking, also, you're going to go back to the lawyer. I could go with you. It might be helpful.
0: No, no, you can't.
4: I just feel
3: like I was there. I can give an accurate account. I know. You, You
4: were there. You saw what happened. You're a witness in a case. You can't meet with me and my lawyer, okay? It's confidential. It's a conflict of interest. Yeah,
3: okay, I get it. I didn't know.
4: I know you did. And you're not supposed you, you shouldn't have to. All right. How do you live in a completely different world than I do? All right. I have real problems. My problems. And I have to deal with them on my own without you. You get that? Yeah. I'm sorry that it has to be like that, but that's just the way. That's just the way it is. So please don't bring that up again.
2: All right. What say you? <laughs> <laughs> well i thought that alex was kind of being maybe a little harsh just a little bit because i feel like hattie she really wanted to help mm-hmm. but also like exude her like privilege at the same time like come to the lawyer's office with him and say well he's such a great guy and he did and he does all these things and He didn't mean to do exactly what he did. But like he was telling her, you and I live two different lives. Like you wouldn't understand like this whole, like, especially since he was like already in the system, basically she wouldn't understand like what was going on. And it is a, it was a conflict of interest because she was at the party. So I,
1: mm, yeah. yeah. Well, Caleb, what did you think? I'm still... Still I was
0: kind of upset with Alex because I felt like he was sort of infantilizing and condescending to Hattie. Like, you wouldn't understand. You shouldn't have to understand. He kind of reminded me of Adam.
1: Oh, When Adam was
0: like, I want her to stay a child as long as she can. And Alex was like, you shouldn't have to think about these things. And then when he said, don't ever bring that up again. <laughs> that's what Adam and Christina said when Hattie oh, yeah. accused them of being racist. like no we're not don't ever make us defend ourselves like that again i just don't remember alex being like this and i don't know anything about the law so i thought hattie's suggestion made sense i'm like well can't she be like a corroborating witness like Mm. he's saying this is what happened and i was there and i'm saying it too but i guess it maybe also makes sense that like of course she has a reason to agree with him because like she gets him. Even. Yeah. Yeah. So like, how do you know that she's uh, telling the truth? Yeah. So like, maybe he is right. Mm-hmm. That like, no, no, no. Our stories have to all stay separate. I don't know. But, and then just like you have said before, Melissa, like the consistency in Alex's yeah. character, it feels off. Cause if she's from such a different world and if, if her problems aren't real and his are, why didn't he not let her come to his AA meetings? Like it seemed like he was fine, including her on all of his problems before. And now he's not. And um, it it made me wonder if he was pushing her away actively, Mm. like for some reason, which I could understand because Hattie's not in any danger in this situation. It is all on Alex. And maybe that's what he was saying to her. Like Hattie can be as supportive as she wants to be, but... He's the only one with anything to lose.
2: Right. And he like punched a guy. So, yeah. Yeah.
0: And it is largely Hattie's fault. I mean, so the fact that he's not, maybe, maybe it's just taking a lot of his energy not to blame her for it. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And then the fact that she's now like, let me help. that might lead me to push someone away too. Like I'm trying so hard (laughs) not to blame you for this. Yeah. So just let me handle it.
1: You know, what would have helped not getting drunk when you knew that I, a recovering alcoholic was going to pick you up from the party and, and just, well, and okay. So I've percolated a little more (laughs) and I think that might be it. It's so strange to me, but in season three, both Hattie and Alex feel like, the black mirror version of themselves or something. Like they just, they feel slightly off the twilight zone, whatever, whatever sci-fi show you want to use. It just, they don't feel quite right because Hattie, the first two seasons, you and I were constantly like, man, she's so mature. She's so wise beyond her years. And in this season, she feels kind of like a petulant kid. who's like, I'm going to drink if I want. And oh no, my boyfriend might go to jail, but I, you know, I mean, I, and I know she cares. I, I don't mean to sound like a jerk, but it just feels like she was so unaware of the magnitude of what could happen to him. And and I feel like the Hattie of last season would have been a lot more sensitive, you know, would have been like, yeah I might go to this party, but I'm going to be mindful of who I'm in a relationship with and not put him in a terrible position. And then Alex, you know, we've talked about this, but I cannot get over it. Last season at that dinner with Adam and Christina, when he laid what we thought were all of his cards on the table. And he said everything that they could possibly object to about him. You know, I am older and I have my own apartment and I am a recovering alcoholic. And that was the list. That was the whole list. And I just, I'm angry at the show for giving this black character a backstory where he's got a record and it just feels gross. (laughs) And then it Mm -hmm. makes him say things suddenly that I don't feel like he would have said in the past, you know? And so I don't think that's either actor's fault. And and I don't know, maybe that's just what you have to do when you start a new season of television. You just like, okay, what storylines do we want? We might have to make minor adjustments, but it just, the integrity of both characters, I don't know, there's something about it that really bothers me and it makes it hard to even articulate how I feel about what they're saying to each other because it doesn't feel like them, you know? And even little things like his apartment being so messy, like covered with newspapers and stuff. I'm like, who is this guy? He was the one who like, he runs an entire soup kitchen by himself and he's like completely responsible. Why is he suddenly Mm -hmm. like, you know, in this like mess of an apartment and stuff? I just thought it didn't feel consistent at all. It bothered me so much. So
0: Yeah, and it feels, they feel like they're, puppets being pulled by the strings of the show that the show realizes oh we need to break them up or we need to introduce some conflict now that they are together because the only conflict we've had up to now was in getting them together Mm -hmm, then they were together and then all the stories stopped but even then I feel like then like let Alex relapse let him start drinking and let Hattie see a side of him that she hadn't seen because that's at least consistent with what we know about him yeah he is a recovering alcoholic that he's dating someone within a time frame in which his program says, don't date anybody because you're yeah. vulnerable. I don't know. It just wouldn't seem inconsistent. It's like, that would be a lot of conflict and that would be Hattie realizing, Oh, I really am dealing with mature issues now, not just, you know, high school stuff. And yet I wouldn't, I don't know.
1: Yeah. And I don't mean to complain. I mean, I love both actors. I just,
0: yeah. And they sell it. I mean, I, like, yeah. I agree with you. I don't think it's their fault at all. In fact, I think they might be the biggest reasons I'm buying any of it.
1: Yeah.
0: Well, let me get your thoughts on this on this scene with Adam and Alex.
4: Mr. Reverend, I will never do anything like that again. It was, I was in a rough spot. And I'm, I'm sorry.
5: Well, listen, you don't have to apologize to me. Yes, I do. <sighs> okay, well, listen, I didn't come here for that.
4: You want me to stop seeing Hattie
5: listen I don't know exactly what to do but I'm here because you don't have well you're on your own but Christine and I discussed it and we would like to offer our
4: help. Thank you. I just don't think there's anything that you guys can do. I'm 20 years old, black. And I hit a white teenager. I have a record. Now I have an assault and battery charge.
0: Right.
4: I'm in a lot of trouble, Mr. Braverman.
0: This was an instance where I was really could see both sides because like, I think Adam's gesture is thoughtful. And if he means moral support, like Alex doesn't have to bear the emotional toll of this alone, then I think that's really wonderful. But I also think Alex is right in terms of practical help. I'm not sure what he could really do except maybe pay for his lawyer, which I don't feel like is what Adam means. Yeah, It's nice that you want to help, But what do you think you're going to do?
1: The part of that scene that bothered me was that Alex apologized. And to Adam's credit, he was like, well, I'm not here for that. And you don't have to apologize to me. But I was so curious. Why does Alex insist? Yes, I do. Is it because he lied about that? And and he tried so hard to be honest. I just was like, why Mm. are you apologizing for something that you did? To Adam. Yeah. Yeah. like, Like you did that way before you knew Hattie. It has nothing to do with anybody. I just I think that was something that rubbed me the wrong way, too. Like this weird deference to Adam. Like, I mean, I get, I get he's older and maybe it's just respectful, but I I thought these are probably white writers writing this <laughs> and they're making this, you know, black character apologize to a white actor, you know, white character for like something he doesn't need to be apologizing for. It just really rubbed me the wrong way. I didn't, I didn't like that.
2: Yeah, I, I didn't think that he needed to apologize either because like you just said, it was something that happened way before Alex knew them. And Alex, it's only in the situation that he's in now, in my opinion, because of Hattie.
3: <laughs> right. So
2: I don't. I was. I, I was like, I don't know why he's saying sorry.
1: Yeah, maybe a, Hattie should apologize. I was about to, to say everybody. has Hattie exactly. We, we haven't seen yeah. Hattie
0: apologize, right? She should. Right. I mean, she I did say. Have. I feel like when they were talking to Adam and Christina, she did say it's my fault. Yeah, mm-hmm. but. I think it would be meaningful to see her apologize to Alex because I'm sure she feels that way. I mean, Mm -hmm. after the fact, at least to realize like that was really stupid. I put him in this position. The nice thing to do then is say your, one thing
2: that I did appreciate though about that scene is I feel like Adam had really good like intentions there. I don't feel like he was coming to be like a white savior I feel like it was more of like moral support. Hey, we're here to help. What can we do? Mm-hmm. Like, what what do you need? Yeah. yeah. It's how I feel. I didn't, I, yeah, I didn't feel like he was. That would have been
0: a great question to hear him ask Alex, because mm-hmm. yeah. like I said, I think Alex's point was, was really good that I don't know that there's something they could do, but maybe make that offer and, and say like, well, think about it. Cause anything you do need, you don't have to go through this yeah. alone. Right. And I felt that in his scene with Hattie. And then Mm -hmm. we see her go home and cry with her father. I gather from that that she feels like he was pushing her away and she wants to help, but she doesn't know what to do. And so Adam goes and just articulates that.
1: Right. I'm glad you mentioned that white savior term because my memory of how this all gets resolved was very white savior-y, you know? (laughs) Like Adam goes Mm -hmm. over to Zach's parents. I'm sure we're going to really get into that <laughs> and seeing it again I think I think I maybe I, I'm a little torn but I think I'm landing on a different side should we listen to that or or yeah yes okay.
0: All right okay and this is a little long just warning but I, I included it all because it seemed like worth talking about okay I called this one Adam and the Rents <laughs>
1: look at you, you have a lot of <laughs> and the Rents scenes. Yeah.
5: okay I don't want to defend what Alex did or make excuses for him. He made a mistake, and he knows he did, and he feels sorry for it, and both my wife and I are sorry that he hit your son. Regarding Alex, I don't know what you've, you've heard about him through the rumor mill or whatever, but... Well, he, we know what the DA has told us. Well, that makes sense. I mean, he doesn't go to the kids' high school, so...
4: He never even went to high school.
5: No, that's not true, actually. He did go to high school. He just didn't graduate with his class. He got his GED. Got it about a year ago, I think. GED or not? This kid assaulted my son, and he is going to be held responsible for his actions. Okay. My daughter Hattie met Alex last summer while she was working at a soup kitchen where my mom volunteers time, and Alex works there too. And when my wife and I found out that Hattie was dating Alex, we were both very against it. And I am embarrassed to say that the initial information about him, it just, it scared us. Did you know he had a record? No, we didn't. We found that out recently and it shocked us because of the Alex that we've come to know. This is a good kid. This is a guy who is trying very hard to change his life. In fact, the first time that he went to that soup kitchen, it was to get a hot meal. He was homeless. And now you know what? He runs the place. He's 20 years old and he's the boss. And he runs that soup kitchen really well. He's a responsible guy. And I can't tell you how hard he tries to do the right thing. Look, I'm sorry that he hit your son. I really am. But he showed up at that party completely sober and quite frankly there was a lot of underage drinking going on and all he was doing was trying to bring my daughter Hattie home safely. But Alex has a previous record and he could go to jail if you press charges so he doesn't deserve that. He doesn't deserve to go to jail. He's just too good and decent a person. I don't want to see his life
2: destroyed. Well, there is a lot to unpack right there yes. like, <laughs> and there's just a lot to unpack. I first off think that, once again, I always feel like Adam's intentions when it came to that was like, in my opinion, like pure. I really didn't feel like, again, he was trying to be a white savior. I think he was like going to these parents because they were so focused on what the DA told them. Mm -hmm. Um, And they knew that he didn't finish high school. He got a GED, he had a previous record. But the, the part that's like still like sticking out to me is that there was a lot of underage drinking going on at this party. Alex cool. went there sober to pick up Hattie and, and punch the kid and got in trouble for it. And in my mind, I'm just like, it's so like, I don't know, like it, it's all like still like very like relevant today. Like, of course, it's like the black, Kid gets in trouble and when honestly he was trying to do the right thing, when honestly everybody in that party (laughs) should have been arrested.
1: Yes. Why was he the only one? Like
2: seriously, everybody should have been arrested. Because it was like assuming a high school party, all of them were drinking. I just think everybody should have been arrested. Everybody should have got something on their record, not just Alex for punching him and getting an assault charge.
1: That makes me now realize, did Zach call the cops on his own party where he and everyone else was drunk just to get this kid he doesn't even know arrested? And is that how sure he is that the police officers will be on his side and not right. Alex's?
0: And where exactly. were his parents? I yeah. mean, I'm assuming they right. went home during the party. I, again, I don't know the law. What's their culpability in all of this?
1: Yeah, are, are they not furious at their kid for throwing a party, or are they those like entitled parents who are like, "My baby is fine. This guy came into our house, and you well, know." I think I, you just
0: danced. I think. Yeah, I think I, think I did. I <laughs> think I did. I yeah. I did on that.
1: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, no, such good points, Rico. You're, you're totally right.
0: I'm glad at least someone finally brought it up that Adam, because I I kept waiting for someone to make that point of like.
2: There was a lot of law breaking going on here. Like, <laughs> Why is yeah, it just him? I was also waiting for that. I'm like weighing it, like drinking underage, at a party, driving, <laughs> punching someone. Yeah. Like I, I don't know. Yeah. And he
1: didn't know. punch him for no reason. He was provoked. You know, people are ignoring right. that part
0: too. And and well, yeah, like he, what I said last week, at least from what I Googled, <laughs> Zach was assaulting Alex too. Because yeah. it said yep. shoving. It, put, yeah. You know. Mm-hmm.
2: He shoved him several times. Yeah. And he asked him at least, if I remember correctly, like three or four times to like- Stop touching. Get out of my face. Stop touching me. Yeah. Yeah. So while we're on
0: things that bothered us a little bit about Adam's scene, just listening to it again now, this is so tiny, but the way he was phrasing things like, this is a guy who's really trying to turn his life around and he tries really hard to do the right thing. To me it sounds a little bit like well Alex made some Alex has made some bad choices and now he's trying to be better. Which yeah in one sense is true. None of us are perfect. We're all trying to be better. But I it sounded a little bit like he he was placing the flaws on Alex. Yeah. Instead of like I don't think he's trying to turn his life around. I think he's trying to rise beyond the circumstances into which he was born, you know? Yeah. It's not like Alex yeah. made a mess of his life mm-hmm. and then is trying to turn it around. No, he was born to, I think, an alcoholic father. I guess he never said that, but
1: he's sadly I think comments. you can kind
0: of assume.
1: Yeah. It was kind of a stereotypical... He, you yeah, know, he's like-
0: grown up in, in really rough circumstances, didn't always have food security, you know? And that's what he's trying to turn around, not any mess he made, but a mess he found himself in. And I, it's maybe a small distinction, but it feels significant because I think like Alex is like a prince born into this and that's what he's rising above. Nothing he did. He's only trying to do the right thing in service of that, not because he has like a really weak conscience. Mm -hmm. he's like the most virtuous character on the show.
1: Several thoughts. Yeah. I mean, you're absolutely right. And then like, conversely, Zach is the sort of kid whose parents go out of town and he gets everyone at a school drunk, you know, like, even though he's been
0: born with all these, I'm, he was born into intense
1: intense privilege. No, but you're, you were right there with me. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And then, what you were saying, Caleb, it reminded me of this line that I loved in. Um, I haven't even read the book, I've only seen the show Little Fires Everywhere. I don't know if you guys watched that, but I remember Reese Witherspoon's character is the worst. And um, mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, and Carrie Washington is talking with her, and they're having this really tense discussion where Reese Witherspoon was like, dismissing someone for making bad choices. And she was like, I've made really good choices. And Carrie Washington was like, you didn't make good choices. You had good choices. And I was right. like, damn, that has stayed yeah. with me. That's yeah. so good. Yeah. Same.
0: Yeah, same. <laughs> that line from the show. Yeah? Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 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 Like how often has Zach had to grapple with, mm, should I rob this store? No, because he was he's always had money. Yeah. He's always had right. every advantage available to him. Alex didn't. And that's not to say robbing a store is okay. But it's yeah. exactly what you said. Alex didn't have as good choices.
1: And if he punched a kid, it would be just like last season, like we just said at the beginning of the show, that if, you know, when Drew punched a kid, nothing really happened to him. And, and I mm-hmm. think that's another thing. You know, I mean, I can't remember how many times Philando Castile had been pulled over, but it was like an insane number of times. I I remember reading about that. And that's the sort of thing when people say like white privilege isn't real, which I'm like, but you know, I mean, for white people, it's hard to see it because you have it. So you don't realize how much the world is catered to you. You know, I mean, I think that people aren't necessarily thinking about the fact that not only did someone like Philando Castile get murdered at a traffic light he's in a position to get murdered at a traffic light because he's pulled over so much more often than a white person is pulled white over. Person. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And so that's yeah, that's the sort of thing, you know, it's not just that Alex went to a party and ended up in a fight. It's that he's black and ended up in a fight and no one knew him at that party except for Hattie. And she's, you know, biased, the girlfriend. And, and it's just... Mm-hmm it's things like that it's like things are kind of i'm i'm imagining stacked against you sometimes and it must feel very isolating and yeah.
4: yeah
0: i meant to say in that previous scene between adam and alex it was so refreshing just to even hear alex say i'm black i hit a white teenager yeah because honestly sometimes we're going like back 10 years to watch this show and there are times that, that the way they minimize race i think like you know maybe that was more progressive in it in its own way but then sometimes the way that they're just ignoring it is downright distracting like in this instance it was like is no one gonna mention this dynamic and then it's like okay thank you alex you acknowledged what we're all seeing i thought in that scene with adam it was nice to hear that he has reflected a little bit on his own behavior and has grown at least a little bit On the flip side, I also thought, though, it was sad that ultimately the parents were willing to listen to Adam advocate for Alex. And I I can only assume, but I don't think I'm wrong, that if Alex advocated for himself, that it would have fallen on deaf ears. Right. And that's where I I think this is a really interesting question, which is the show is depicting a reality Mm -hmm. that I think is itself problematic that... They'll listen to a white guy, but they wouldn't listen to a black man. Mm -hmm. Is it problematic for the show to be showing us something problematic, even though it's true?
1: Okay, so earlier I had said that I'd kind of remembered the resolution of this as being white saviory. Watching it again, I kind of had maybe a different opinion where I thought maybe it's more someone taking his privilege to
0: help. And leveraging it?
1: Leveraging it, yes. Knowing... This is the way the world works. Because I, something that I've been hearing more and more lately is that it, it needs to be more white people doing the right thing because black people are tired. It's, it's all their labor. They've been doing the right thing. And, you know, the white moderates are just comfortable, fine with the status quo a lot of the time. It really wasn't that hard for Adam to go over to Zach's, ha- you know, house and have yep. that conversation. And in fact, part My. of me is like, why wasn't that your very first instinct? I mean, not to yeah, take. it Yeah, he away had nothing to him. lose. Nothing to lose, and and you know, Alex has been going through hell since this happened. And I'm not blaming him. I'm glad he, he and Christina thought of it and he did it, but I think. At first I was worried it was a white savior thing, but then I'm like, well, I, th- I think he was the one who had to make that change because those parents weren't going to listen to Alex. And, and so I think to answer your question, I think maybe it was good that the show depicted it that way because that is what more people need to do. They need to look past their own comfort and think, how can I make the world better because for right now we're the ones with the loudest voices and we're the ones who should shut up actually more usually and listen more. But in this case, I think it was mm-hmm. good. He used his voice.
2: I also, I think it was very good that he used his voice too. I, like I said, I didn't see it as a white saviorism uh, type of thing. I thought that he just like morally felt like he wanted to help Alex. Yeah, And to be honest, he should, because again, his daughter, Hattie, is the reason why Alex is in this situation. Yeah. So I think that he should like use his voice to speak up and go to those parents. And like you, one of you guys just said, uh, Alex didn't have a chance with them. All they wanted was for Alex to be in jail because he had a GED and the DA told them that he had a previous record. That's all that they cared about.
1: Yeah. And that's all they, that's all they saw. It find him. Yeah. 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 There's this beautiful TED Talk that we show our students, uh, The Danger of a Single Story. It's about how a single story isn't false or made up or untrue. It's just, it's incomplete and it's limiting. So Alex having a GED and, you know, not having finished school traditionally and having a record and and all those negative things, if that's all you hear, then that is what defines a person. And so Adam needed to fill in those blanks and say... Soup kitchen, you know, grew up homeless and overcame it like all these amazing things about him as well, because Mm -hmm. otherwise, we're just stereotypes. We're just caricatures and our humanity is taken away. And like, no one's afraid of white men even though school shooters are almost 100% of the time white men. And it's because yeah. we don't have a single story of white men. We see white men as presidents and CEOs and just a million other things, doctors, yes. lawyers, and everything. Shoe company
0: workers. <laughs>
1: Sorry, that's <is>, that <laughs> <tough. laughs> Yes. And so, but you know, like, I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm often saying we need like more sitcoms where like the dad wears a turban and is just making corny dad jokes because all anybody thinks of when they see a guy in a turban is terrorist and, and that's awful, you know? And, and so it's like, this is the problem with these, these single stories is they're so limiting and, and white people don't have a single story, you know? And, and that's, that's anyway. So that's the problem. (laughs) One problem of
2: many problems.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it's funny too. I think even if Hattie had gone over there and made the same speech, it wouldn't have worked.
2: I was thinking that. And
0: I'm sure part of that's age too. And then Mm -hmm. also some gender. And I don't even think that she would have gotten a house. Yeah. Probably not. Adam was in a, a unique position. Yeah.
1: That's interesting. What do you two think about the fact that Christina wasn't in that scene? Like, I mean, I get that they said, oh, she's super pregnant and didn't feel well. But I I thought, well, that that was a choice the show made because in real life, I don't think Monica Potter was pregnant, you know? And and, and I just thought they chose to have it only be Adam go over there. Why? Do either Hmm. of you have any ideas why they decided that the scene would be more effective with just him and not both of them as a couple?
2: Well, I think because when white men, like, speak, you want to listen. Mm. although sometimes I find it like very annoying but (laughs) like you 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 still but like you still like want to listen and I thought it was a good choice to have just Adam go to the house because he had just got through talking to Alex and I don't know I thought it was a good choice to have him to have him just go and have Christine be at home
1: I think it probably was yeah
2: I just she would have just cried through the whole thing. She just
1: would have cried. Yeah. <laughs> Which makes me think this was about who has the most power.
0: Ah, yeah. I good think it is. Mm-hmm.
1: Who has the most privilege. Cuz
0: I do think it's so true. Yep. He yeah. he he was the perfect person. Even you know, I, I don't know how this would have happened, but like even Crosby or Zeke wouldn't have had the same authority in that scene yep. because Adam is so The stereotypical, responsible, white, straight, attractive Mm -hmm. dad. He's kind of unimpeachable on the identity front. Mm. So he was the one most able to utilize that privilege and try and get some results with it.
1: Yeah. That is so interesting. Because, yeah, if Christina had gone over there pregnant... And she certainly would have cried. I would have cried.
0: They would have written her off. They would have written her off. I was going to say. Oh, so she's so they would emotional. Not, she's hormonal. Yeah. yeah. Exactly. They would not have bought it. And even just a woman, you know, a woman's not as authoritative.
1: Right. Yeah. So that is deeply interesting now that I'm thinking about it, like that they yeah. made that choice.
0: I loved seeing Hattie's reaction, yeah. just seeing her so happy. And I love that she kissed Christina's belly. Yeah. And said that she <laughs> loved the little <laughs> sister too. and. And then I loved how she said, I'm going to go take
1: a shower. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> She's like jumped in the air. I'm going to take a shower. <laughs> yeah, that was, I mean, it was a heavy storyline.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: I'm glad it resolved in a not as dramatic, you know, like, um, thank God it didn't like go to court or like a whole thing. I'm, I'm glad it settled out the way that it did.
2: I have yeah. one. Okay. The sun when he was sitting on those stairs. Yeah, I was just trying to think of like, put myself like in his shoes for a minute, like what he was maybe feeling like, because when Adam was sitting there talking to the parents and he was like telling them all this stuff, like Alex has changed his life around and he is in charge of the soup kitchen now. And I was thinking what was going through the son's head was just like, okay, this guy is not, a bad guy. I don't know. I was feeling that way. Like, okay, he's not a bad guy. Like maybe my parents should just drop the charges and forget about it. or maybe I shouldn't have had a party at my house. I, I was just thinking inside of my head when watching that, like, I wonder what, what is he thinking in that moment?
1: That's such a beautiful thought. Like, because I don't like Zach at all. And I think it's so mm-hmm lovely not to take away his humanity either you know it could be easy to do it could be easy to just dismiss him as a privilege yeah Yeah. but you know i i I did think it was interesting how every once in a while adam would like direct you know like he would look up at him and stuff and i think Mm -hmm. it's good that he was in the room and i hope that you're right i hope that that was a moment where maybe because again a lot of people balk when you call them privileged yeah even if you're not rich, oh, I like hear it. no, <laughs> they yeah. don't. You know, in his case, he's privileged in every possible way: straight, white, rich, yep. handsome. Like literally, there's not. Yeah. yeah. And so I wonder, like, he's probably never had to think about this ever. And so I, I hope that hearing about that other side of Alex, mm-hmm. I hope that that maybe made him realize a few things.
0: This actor was on the Scream series. Oh. On MTV. So if you want to watch Zach get murdered. I couldn't figure out which episode that was. (laughs) (laughs) Spoiler alert, he gets murdered. He gets murdered. (laughs) So on to the last storyline. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, our new guest star, D.B. Sweeney. Oh wait. D.B. Sweeney. D.B. Okay.
1: D.B. Sweeney is a he from the The cutting edge. (laughs) Cutting edge.
0: DB Woodside as Dr. Joe. The most perfect man ever depicted on television. <laughs> D.B. Woodside is a veteran of many, many, many TV shows. And Buffy the his,
1: Vampire Slayer. He played
0: the mm-hmm. principal on Buffy. He played the president on 24. And he played yep. an actual angel on Lucifer. Ah. Oh. He was also in six episodes of Bonnie Bedelia's series, The Division. Oh. Hmm. So here's a little peek at the dynamic between Dr. Joe, Jasmine, and Crosby in that first scene.
4: I think I know what this is. It's
5: probably a wheat allergy. Really? Yeah. For real? Mm-hmm. Uh, joint tenderness, excessive gas, urticaria, which is that's really just a fancy term for the rash on his shins. What do we have to do for that, uh, you know, treatment-wise? You avoid wheat. Oh, Mm. And you guys are probably going to want to keep a dietary log of pretty much everything that he eats for the next 30 days You'll be fine okay. right. Hey not to uh, sound skeptical, but the uh, wheat allergy it seems like uh, you know It's like the Snuggies of diseases. Everyone has one this year. I uh, yeah, know. I know it's become it really like popular it. But it's something I've been diagnosing for the past ten years, so you know what we'll try this if it doesn't work We'll try something else all right. Sorry, doctor, he gets like this sometimes. No, it's okay, I've seen couples do a lot worse. Oh, no, we're not together. I'll try not, not to, to throw up, make that known. Anyway, uh, I really appreciate you seeing us so oh, much. It's no problem at all. And Hey, listen, let me give you my card.
4: Oh, great. You
5: know, if you need to ask any questions, just feel free to call me oh. anytime, really. My service will page me. Great,
0: thanks.
5: You got a second card for Dad, or yeah.
1: <laughs> I I will say I thought Crosby was about as funny and charming as he ever is in this episode. I really like seeing him intimidated as hell. I don't know if we've ever really gotten to see that, but I really enjoyed just how uncomfortable he was at yeah in the in the presence mm-hmm. of the most perfect man alive as as Caleb
4: called
0: him. <laughs> Let me just run down. I mean, in case it's not obvious to anyone watching, he's gorgeous number one he's clearly brilliant because he's a doctor who's written three books he's written three books he's not just a doctor he's a pediatrician so he's good with kids (laughs) because he's a celebrated author and pediatrician i'm assuming he's rich (laughs) and he's so nice he's so nice with jabbar he's so nice with jasmine he has a little shade towards crosby but it's all thoroughly professional
1: and Crosby deserves mm-hmm. it he's questioning a doctor <laughs> yeah. like
0: well, he, yeah well Crosby not yeah. to be skeptical but then skeptical is exactly what he was being i was
2: like right that's, and it was kind of like a period moment like yeah. i've been doing this for 10 years yeah like, yeah. yeah be quiet
0: <laughs> <laughs> so yeah i think dr joe is just splendid
1: <laughs> yeah well and if we're adding to the list of reasons why dr joe is perfect though Add i thought away. the way <laughs> the way he asked out Adaway, the way he asked out Jasmine was kind of perfect. Like
2: he had a lot of swag in that moment. Yeah, like, here's my here's my card. Um, yeah, that, that was. I like that moment.
1: That was so good. It was really and and I do like that Crosby kind of called him on it. Like got a second card for dad. Like <laughs> <laughs> it's too perfect. Oh. Yes. But even like when he calls her up and says that he doesn't want to make her uncomfortable. And I mean, it's just talk about like consent, you know, that feels almost ahead of its time. Such a big talking Mm -hmm. point now, but he didn't even want to ask her out until he was pretty sure that she was comfortable with it. And he you know, gave her a bunch of outs. He also said, this is the first time I've ever done this. So we get the sense that he's not some Lothario doctor just asking out all the single He says that to
0: all the patient's moms. (laughs) (laughs) This is the first time. (laughs) <laughs> that on be. that on that subject, though, I looked it up, and <laughs> according to the American Medical Association's Code of Medical Ethics, opinion 9.1.2, <laughs> yes. sexual or romantic interactions between physicians and third parties, such as spouses, partners, parents, guardians, or surrogates, may detract from the goals of the patient-physician relationship, exploit the vulnerability of the third party compromise the physician's ability to make objective judgments about the patient's health care and ultimately be detrimental to the patient's well-being. Hmm. And it goes on to say, The more deeply involved the individual is in the clinical encounter and in medical decision-making, the stronger the argument against sexual or romantic contact between the physician and a key third party. Physicians should avoid sexual or romantic relations with any individual whose decisions directly affect the health and welfare of the patient. So, okay. It's not totally forbidden. And they even, I didn't include this, but there was even a whole list of concerns for a physician to take into account before initiating a relationship. Mm. But it was honestly like a checklist. It was like, have you thought of this? Have you thought of this? Have you thought of this? And the implication I gathered was, if you have thought of all of this and you think it's going to be okay, then you're not prohibited right so i trust dr joe perfect man that he is has (laughs) considered all of those and is being very cautious and i like that he did address some of those exact things in asking her out
1: maybe the Mm -hmm. only other thing that could have made him more perfect is if he said and i have this other doctor in the office who i could refer jabbar to if the conflict of interest makes you uncomfortable
2: Oh, okay. But maybe
1: that's presumptuous yeah. to be like, because we're going to go she on one She said yes date. right away.
0: Yeah. <laughs> to, like, <laughs> <laughs> she
1: wasn't torn. Although yeah. I think there was something in her eyes where I got this sense, maybe I'm crazy, but I got this sense when she said yes, that it was more like I'd be a fool to say no, not I am personally really into him. Maybe, maybe I'm I'm wrong, but do you know I what got I mean? This, like, yeah, yeah, I
0: got this sense that she was like, well, damn, Crosby was right. Crosby was yeah. right
1: as we called it yeah
0: because i feel like maybe she wasn't aware mm-hmm. that he was into her <laughs> all right i'm calling coincidence on that oh really yeah i doubt it's the week
5: yeah well i'm gonna go with the trained medical professional oh, on that oh yeah one. dr mm-hmm. joe
4: dr joe mm-hmm. yes anyway um the small ones for the baby and the big right. ones for christina make sure she reads the card first hold
5: on you're aren't you staying
4: no no why i you know you're I'm, invited it's a family thing i don't want to
5: it is anything but a family thing. Know. Look at all these yokels here and your family. Come on. We have good food, free booze, The games on. I know you like free booze.
4: <laughs> I do, but I have to be somewhere.
5: Like, uh, like a hair appointment or like uh, meeting somebody. <laughs> you are not going to go there, what? But look, I'm just gonna say, I think you have a crush on Dr. Joe, and I think what? Dr. Joe has a crush on you. I'm going to look at window treatments with my mother. What's your obsession with Dr. Joe
4: anyway? You I don't know, date he's him?
5: gorgeous and smart. Well, I can't you imagine why him I'm intimidated. Well you should. Maybe date I will him. if he
2: calls we'll me. Well go ahead. All right. He'll have me on a no-wheat diet though. He knew. He knew right he knew. Yeah. You know, he he knew. knew that Dr. Joe was into her. Yeah. He and I and I'm not sure she did. I don't think she did either.
1: Do you think sometimes it is easier for a man to tell when another man is interested in a woman than for the woman to tell when the man is interested in her. Like I'll, I'm just saying, sometimes I've thought guys were just like being friendly with me or being nice to me. And Mark would be like, no, he was hitting on you. You didn't, you didn't pick that up on that. And I'm like, Oh, I did not. <laughs> um, <laughs> and so like, that checks that checks out, even though Jasmine is like so gorgeous and such a catch, like, Maybe she was like, he's just friendly. That's just who he is and doesn't think, but like Crosby, of course, and it could go the other way where Crosby could be making it up. It's all in his head because he's jealous and
0: hypersensitive. Yeah.
1: Yeah. And I think that's what she is writing it off as right until he actually calls and asks
0: her
3: out. Yeah. And that's what
0: I read on her face when, when she said, sure, like, oh, he wasn't the, he was, he was right for once. (laughs) Maybe his instincts
3: aren't
2: terrible. Along that line, my wife and I first started talking. It was just like that, like, I mean, everybody else like knew that I was like interested in her, but she was like, she didn't really know at first. So I think, I don't know, I think it's, I don't want to put like a gender thing on it, but I I think it's a guy thing to just know that.
1: I also wonder, like, Rico you're such a kind sweet person and that's what she's so (laughs) like you're so nice to everybody and you wouldn't you wouldn't ever like approach someone you're interested in in a creepy manner that would make it super clear Mm -hmm. so it would just be kind and so I you know I could see where a person might be like I wonder if that's just Rico niceness or if that's special he's interested in me niceness and Yeah. yeah yeah so yeah that's an interesting thing too
0: I loved in that little clip also that Crosby so casually asserted that she was family. Yeah. And I liked that it didn't seem like a big he wasn't making a big thing out of it. It was just a fact. And I thought, it is a fact, because mm-hmm. whether you guys are together or not, she will always be Jabbar's mom and she's part of the family. Yeah. And yeah. I, I liked that. Yeah. And I liked I liked the place they seem to have gotten to. Oh yeah. Where they're joking with each other again and but it doesn't feel super awkward at all really i mean he's intimidated yeah. but he even owns it he's right. like oh, i don't can't imagine yeah. why i'm intimidated yeah good <laughs> just just own it no shame I, yeah i love
1: that because there's almost nothing less attractive than jealousy and insecurity and yet because he's like weirdly confident about his <laughs> insecurity and jealousy Then it like cancels out and it's very charming. I would be super (laughs) charmed by that. And I think she is. But if she was like, you know, if if his whole vibe had been, I think he likes you. What do you think of that? You know, instead of like, well, I think he has a crush on you and you have a crush on him. Why would I be intimidated? Like the way he plays that off is very funny and it's almost weirdly flirty. Like I actually think that might be the most chemistry we've ever seen between them, including sex scenes, (laughs) including scenes where they were a Mm -hmm. couple. There's something really like, light and bantery, but it was clear that he cared about her, but he wasn't making her uncomfortable by, you know, saying it was, she was forbidden from dating him, or, I just thought he handled Mm. that so well. And that they really knew
0: each other. Yes. Yeah. yeah. You like free booze, and she's,
1: I do. <laughs> yeah. <You know>? Yeah. <laughs> so I, I don't know. It, it, it should have been really unattractive that he was jealous, but instead I thought it was weirdly attractive. <laughs> the way he did that. Yeah. And honestly,
0: I'm excited. Not that I don't like Jasmine and Crosby, but even just with this brief introduction to Dr. Joe, like go with Dr. Joe. <laughs> he, he's a cat. Like you yeah. found your match. <laughs> I mean, cause honestly, I think Crosby has a heart of gold and he's, he's real charming. And yet, it does kind of feel like he scored the bigger get get yeah. with him and Jasmine. It's like she's coming mm-hmm. down to your level and you're coming <laughs> up to hers. She and Dr. Joe feel more evenly, you know, more on the same level. Right. It.
1: It's
0: like yeah. You'd be fools not to.
1: Look at you, both of you. Crosby mm-hmm.
0: belongs with Sandy. No, you know.
1: No disrespect. Sandy's. No disrespect cute.
0: to Sandy. She's awesome. Yeah. Actually, and yeah, in terms of looks, she's probably still out of his league.
1: He only she's dates gorgeous. exquisite women. I don't know. Yeah. And like, like the fact that Katie. Sandy. Yeah. I actually I'm gonna justice for Sandy real fast because I feel like the way that he was like, Katie's crazy in the first season, his girlfriend, you know, he was just like. And we were like, she's wonderful. I was also kind of like, I think Sandy's not, she's adorable and really yeah. likes you. Why are you acting yeah. like she's a freak? I don't get that. But. He was
2: acting like so weird about it. Like, <laughs> why are you acting like
1: that? I'm like, just because well, we
2: he... slept together, she thinks we have some kind of
0: connection. <laughs> 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 yeah.
1: Like... <laughs> right. It's like,
0: I wonder oh, where she got that idea. <laughs> Well, I really liked this episode. I thought it it felt charming and like for parenthood, relatively low drama. It felt to me like sticking your neck out and and going for something that might not work was sort of a running theme. Oh, yeah, totally. Drew and Adam and Dr. Joe and Zoe. Yeah. And then even like that scene with Christina and Crosby where she said, like, don't screw up. She was kind of sticking her neck out there and saying, I don't know if this will work, but you better make it work.
1: Yeah, totally. Well, and and it did feel a little bit more like just hanging out with the characters than having... I, I kind of liked that there were all these little threads that weren't fully fleshed out storylines, because that is how life works, to just kind of yeah. check in with people yeah. and see where they are. where they are. Like, you ever think about how we do this podcast and we're talking about storylines all the time? Are you ever like, am I in a storyline right now? <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, am, one of my storylines is doing a podcast about other people's storylines. <laughs> I don't know. Um, but I just, that's not really life so much. And so, yeah, I like that we're just checking in with Amber and Sarah. That, that was one of my favorite parts of the whole episode. That was so lovely. So yeah. yeah.
0: Rico is your wife pressuring you to continue watching more apparently <laughs>
2: You know, I do, I think. So what happened was I started at like the end of season two and like the, maybe the last couple of episodes and I watched the first two of this season, season three, and then this episode right here. But I think we're going to continue. Well, Yay. I'm going to continue because she's already seen it <laughs> a couple times through, I think. But I think I want to watch it. I really do. Yay.
1: That's fun. Well, man, Rico, I can't thank you enough. This was a delight. It was so nice to see you again.
0: Yeah. And I- so great to get all your thoughts yes. on
2: everything. Thank you guys for having me, seriously.
1: Uh, no, it was it was wonderful that that you agreed. And it's become like my new favorite way of catching up with people, especially people who live, you know, in a different state yeah. and and you right. know, yeah. Um, follow us like us Twitter, Facebook, Instagram, Parenthood Pals
0: everywhere. Including parenthoodpals.com. That's right. Thanks again to Rico and thanks to all of our listeners. And until next time, may God bless and keep you always.
1: And may your wishes all come true.